0: Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson.
1: God created us for fellowship. That's the first purpose of our creation. But the second purpose is He created us to serve Him, to do His will. And since that's true, the question then on our part is, have we pursued that? Are we seeking that? Have we discovered that? Are we discovering that?
0: Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study through the books of the Old Testament prophets. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Jeremiah chapters 1 through 6.
1: Now here's Pastor Brian. All right, so here we are, and we start with the first chapter of Jeremiah. So if you want to turn to... Jeremiah, as I mentioned, we're going to we're going to make our way through six chapters, and so we're going to, you know, (laughs) I've been this has been a struggle going through the the, through the Bible thing. I want to get to a place where we're doing, you know, an overview in a sense, but not that it's so light that we're not really getting the gist of what's happening in the book. So the way I I want to try to go through Jeremiah consistently is I want to just give a quick synopsis of of each of the chapters that we're going to cover, and then I'm going to take uh, from each of those chapters just kind of the key portions of the chapter, and we will dig down deeper into that. And I think also a good Thing to do is as we're going through Jeremiah that you be reading through it because we're not going to read through every verse but you can read through the verses so say we're going to cover the six chapters some of it is going to be like I said you know fairly light and highlighted so if you go back throughout the week and you read those six chapters then you'll get the full context of everything and then be ready for next time okay so that's the battle plan and plans can always change, of course, but that's what I'm going to try to do as we continue our journey. And so Jeremiah is one of the three major prophets. And they're they're called the major prophets and the minor prophets, as you might know. And it simply has to do with the length of their prophecy. It doesn't have anything to do with the, the content or the importance. Of their prophecy. So the book and the prophet holds at least two great distinctions among all the Old Testament prophets. Number one, this is the longest prophetic book in the Bible, the longest prophetic book with 1,364 verses. Isaiah has more chapters, 66, compared to Jeremiah's 52, but less verses. So Isaiah has 1,292 verses. So that's one distinction. The second is Jeremiah's life is more fully described throughout his prophecy than any other of the prophetic writers. So the prophetic writers are 15 prophetic writers or other people in scripture like Elijah, for example, or Elisha, who were referred to as prophets, but they didn't write anything. But of those writing prophets, Jeremiah, uh, his life is most fully described, and his prophecy is centering around his actual experiences. And so we're going to see that as we get into the book. The book Contents of the book span roughly 60 years from the year 640 to the year 580 BC. Isaiah, he predicted the rise of Babylon and its destruction of Jerusalem and Judah. Jeremiah lives to see the prediction fulfilled. And so Jeremiah's ministry spans the last five decades in the history of the nation of Judah. And someone said this, and let me quote to you, that it was Jeremiah's lot to prophesy at a time when all things in Judah were rushing down to the final and mournful catastrophe. When political excitement was at its height when the worst passions swayed the various parties and the most fatal counsels prevailed. To see his own people whom he loved plunge over the precipice into the wide weltering ruin, Jeremiah was the prophet of Judah's midnight hour. And so, the book it, overall it's it's quite a dire book really because it is it's the story of a of a prophet and god speaking to this prophet pleading with a people who will not listen and that refusal to listen then ultimately leads to their demise jeremiah has been called the weeping prophet. You might have heard him referred to in that way before. And uh, G. Campbell Morgan said this. He said, In the story of Jeremiah's shrinking and pain and tears, we have a picture of a man in such perfect fellowship with God that through him God was able to reveal his own suffering in the presence of sin. And it's, this is an interesting statement by Campbell Morgan because as we're even going to see in one particular portion, there are places where it's difficult to see whether it's Jeremiah that's speaking or whether it's the Lord speaking. And, and when, when we come across those, there are generally places where the expression is one of, of deep lament. So on the one hand, you, you would think that, well, of course, it must be Jeremiah because the Lord wouldn't be saying these kinds of things necessarily. But then when you get closer and you really look at the context, it's kind of hard to decipher between the two. And I think Campbell Morgan, he got it right here that, that Jeremiah is expressing, even in his grief and in his deep emotion over the state of his people, he's expressing the heart of God. So the central thought of Jeremiah is, I will punish, I will restore. There is wrath to the full, but there is love to the end. And so that's just a, a quick introductory word there. And so, like I said, we're gonna look at the, the first six chapters. And the reason I chose the six chapters is because there's, there's clearly, when we get to chapter seven, the environment changes at chapter seven. So I want to wait for that environment change. the The book is notoriously difficult, if not impossible, to track chronologically. So nobody has ever been able to put it in any kind of a strict chronological order. It doesn't seem to be laid out that way at all. And so we're not going to worry so much about that because it's not really possible to lay it down in that way. But chapter one, and I'm just going to give you a heading for each of the chapters. And then as we look at the chapters, you'll see some of the highlighted passages will bring out the various headings. So so chapter one is God's calling upon Jeremiah's life to be a prophet. So we have this amazing story here of the call of God. And this is where we're going to spend probably the majority of our time, because it's so fascinating looking at God's call upon Jeremiah. In the second chapter, the Lord through Jeremiah is building his case against Israel. We'll look at a couple of things there that are key things. In the third chapter, we're looking at the sin and the shamelessness of the nation. So the nation isn't just laden down with sin. They are absolutely shameless in regard to it. They have no conviction. They have no concern. Jeremiah is warning them about judgment, and they're basically saying there is no judgment coming. God's never going to judge us. We're God's people. And Jeremiah, you're wrong. And so we'll look at that in the third chapter. The fourth chapter, this is where we see God's grief over the coming destruction of the land. And as I mentioned, this is where there's kind of a blending between Jeremiah's emotions and God's word. And then in the fifth chapter, it just basically is talking about the judgment of God, but it's justifying the judgment of God. So showing the justice in God's judgment. And then finally in the sixth chapter, it is the impending destruction that will ultimately come upon Jerusalem from the north. And the north, of course, as we will see clearly, is a reference to Babylon. So just let me remind you, when um, we left off with Isaiah's prophecy, right? So this is about a 100 years, 80 to 100 years after Isaiah prophesied. And when Isaiah was prophesying, maybe you remember, Babylon was nothing. Babylon was not any sort of a world power. During the time of Isaiah, Assyria was the great power. And so now things, when, when Jeremiah begins his prophecy, Assyria is still the world power, but or actually when Jeremiah was born, Assyria was still the world power. And even when he began his prophecy, he probably began his prophecy in somewhere around 627. So Assyria is still the world power, but the Assyrian empire is beginning to crumble and the Babylonian empire is beginning to rise. And so at this time, you have, you have Babylon, you have Egypt, you have these different nations Coming together to try to defeat Assyria. And they do. Babylon and Egypt, along with the Medes, they defeat Assyria. But then there's a battle for supremacy among them. And then there's a, a period of time where they're in a conflict with each other for a number of years in the city of Carchemish. And then in 606 BC, the Babylonians defeat the Egyptians under the leadership of Nebuchadnezzar. And so this is where the great, you know, Neo, it's called the Neo-Babylonian Empire because there was a previous Babylonian Empire. So this is where the the great Neo-Babylonian Empire really begins. And this is Jeremiah's world. Jeremiah is um, living through all of this and he begins his ministry during this time. And so let's pick up here in chapter one, verse one, The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priest who were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin. So Jeremiah is of the priestly lineage, but he obviously is not a priest. He's not functioning as a priest, but he's from a priestly family. And so to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the 13th year of his reign. So maybe you can remember back to when we were studying 2 Chronicles there and remember Josiah was that that temporary bright light in the the twilight of of Judah's history. And um, Josiah, he was the grandson of Manasseh who was the most wicked king in Judah's history who reigned 55 years, but Manasseh was chastened by God. He was led captive into Assyria, and he repented amazingly, and he came back uh, to Jerusalem as a believer, but the damage was already done. He had so infected the culture that even though Manasseh changed and tried to make reforms, the people were too far gone in many ways. So when Josiah comes to the throne. Josiah comes to the throne at eight years old. And when he, he comes to the throne at eight years old, and then at a very young age, at 16, he starts to make reforms. And so Josiah becomes this, he's like a revivalist. He brings a fresh day of, of a working of God's spirit, but it's very short-lived. It's, um, it doesn't go that deep into society And uh, once Josiah is off the scene, everybody's forgotten about his reforms and they're right back to the things that they were doing in the time of Manasseh and in the time of uh, Josiah's father. Now, so Jeremiah and Josiah are contemporaries. And they are probably close to the same age. So notice here that the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah in the days of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the 13th year of his reign. So Josiah is 21 years old when Jeremiah is called to be a prophet. And I think by what we're gonna see in just a second, I think Jeremiah is probably actually younger than Josiah. So these are two, you know, especially in our, the way we would think of it today, you know, two very young men who are leading the charge spiritually for the entire nation. So it came also in the days of Jehoiakim. So this is going on with Jeremiah's prophecy. uh, After Josiah, Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the end of the 11th year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the carrying away of Jerusalem captive In the fifth month. So he began to prophesy in the 13th year of the reign of Josiah, and he prophesies all the way to the end of Judah's history, basically, and then even a little bit beyond that. So then the word of the Lord came to me. So Jeremiah now is telling us his story, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then said I, ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say, I am too young, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak do not be afraid of their faces for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. So Jeremiah is telling his story. So like I said, when he says, Lord, I'm too young, I'm assuming that he's younger than Josiah. So who knows how old he is? He might be 15, 16, 17, 18 years old. And yet God is saying to him that I am calling you as a prophet to the nations and I formed you in the womb. I knew you before you were born, I sanctified you. And you know, that part could really be said of all of us. Now, the prophet to the nations is exclusively for Jeremiah, but each and every one of us can say that before we were formed in the womb the lord knew us and before we were born he sanctified us i mean that's what the that's what the scriptures teach right that we were foreordained before the foundation of the world to be in christ and so not only to be in christ but also to be called by god to some ministry some task some thing god created us for number 1 fellowship that's the first purpose of our creation but but the second purpose is he created us to to serve him to do his will to partner with him, to work alongside of him in what it is that he is doing. And so to me, this is always such a thrilling thing to think about, that each and every one of us have been set apart by God for something. And since that's true, the the question then on our part is, have we pursued that? Are we seeking that? H- have we discovered that? Are we discovering that? We want to be doing that because that is the place, to be in the place that God created us to be in, to do the thing that God created us to do, whatever it is. It's not just the the typical things we think of like, oh, you know, God called me to be a a pastor or preacher. God calls some people to be church leaders in various sort. He calls some people to go to the mission field, things like that. But God calls us to all different kinds of things, and he calls us to serve him in a variety of different contexts. And he uses all of his people, having spread them out all through culture, all through society, doing his work, and he's weaving together this amazing tapestry that one day we'll get to see all the beauty of it. So, but understandably, Jeremiah says, Lord, I'm too young. And you know, sometimes we might say something like that. Now I'm looking around the room. There's not anybody in here. Maybe there's two or three people who are going to say, "I'm too young." I, a lot of us would say, "Lord, I'm too old." <laughs> Lord, Lord, you know, wait, it, it's just I'm I'm way past my my youth now. But you're never too old. You know, we have some friends. Cheryl and I have some good friends, Doug and Rose Martin and what's Doug now 70 something like 75 or something like that and you know these, these guys uh, Doug actually used to be he ran our accounting department when I used to pastor at Calvary Chapel of Vista he for many many years he worked in an executive kind of a role with Mitsubishi and then the Lord just on his heart to quit his job and so he quit and he came to work at At Calvary Chapel Vista for about one-tenth of what he was making at Mitsubishi. And then after some time, and he was at least in his 50s at the time, the Lord called them to to leave California and to leave the U.S. and to move to Hungary. And they moved to Hungary and they lived in, in Vita, a little village in Hungary where we have a conference center. And they lived there for years, and they served there. And then they moved back to the States, and they kind of bounced around here and there. And about, you know, three years ago or something, four years ago, the Lord put it on their hearts. Rose is a teacher, and uh, she got a job teaching in, in, uh, with the U.S. military. And lo and behold, they moved to Japan. And so now they live in Japan. And they still see themselves as they're, they're on a mission. And you could easily say, well, wait a second. You know, that, man, come on, you know, 70s, that, that's getting old. It is getting old for sure. But <laughs> we're, we're, we're never too old. And, and I can tell you a few stories. I won't go into all of this. But, you know, so, some of the missionary figures in history in the last couple hundred years, some of them were like, they were so old that a mission society wouldn't send them anywhere. They came and said, I have a vision to go. Uh, C.T. Stud had a vision. He wanted to go to Africa. They said, oh, wait, you're way too old. You're washed up. No, you can't go. Your time is over. You need to just stay here. And he was like, okay, thank you very much. And then he got himself to Africa. And he started a new mission. And I think he was in his 70s at the time, if I'm not mistaken. Am I not mistaken? I'm looking at the the church historian, Cheryl, here, the (laughs) missions historian, who in her... Podcast talks about all this stuff all the time. So whether you think you're too young or you think you're too old or you think I just am not able, I mean, what am I gonna do? How can I do anything? You know, none of those things are issues with God. God can overcome any of those things. He can overcome your old age. He can overcome your youth and he can overcome your inabilities. And Jeremiah is not just saying he's too young. He's also basically saying, I can't go tell people stuff. I'm not a preacher. I'm not an orator. I'm, I'm not a prophet. But what does the Lord say? Well, the Lord put forth his hand, touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. I mean, can you imagine God speaking those words to you as a teenager?
0: September, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Forgive, Why Should I and How Can I by Timothy Keller. Have you ever been wronged or hurt to the point that it's difficult to forgive the person or people that hurt you? Why is it so difficult to forgive those who have hurt us? In his book, Forgive, Why Should I and How Can I, Timothy Keller explains why forgiveness is so important. He also explains what forgiveness is and the various ways it's been misunderstood culturally, both inside and outside the church. Timothy Keller will help you truly understand all the dimensions of forgiveness. You'll learn the principles of forgiveness and the practical ways to practice forgiveness in your own life as you move towards relational reconciliation with others. If you want to know why forgiveness is so important and how you can forgive others who have hurt you, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. To Order, Forgive, Why Should I and How Can I? by Timothy Keller. And when you give a gift back to basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you,